don't want to sort of be thinking of us. I am talking about a subject. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, fair yeah. enough. It's a conversation. Yeah. No, I, I do mm. know that the show is a conversation. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. This is a tricky table. Put that, that behind us. Oh, that's a good idea. So we're outside in the back garden uh, of my dad's house, and we're discussing which of the two conversations that we're going to record today. We're going to do first. So this is. The first episode in what I'm calling the personal season. Over the next few weeks, we're going to have some conversations with my father, some conversations with my partner, and then we're going to have an episode which is me telling stories about my life on stage over the last few years. So I'm recording this intro on the first day of my life as a freelancer. I don't have a salary anymore. We don't have an employer anymore. Check out DavePickeringStoryteller.co.uk to see more about that and what I'm doing and, and what I'm going to try and do. Going freelance, having no employer, means that I can get a little bit more personal in these conversations than I have done previously. Now, up until now, I've been very personal on the show, but there just have been a few areas of my life that I haven't necessarily been able to cover. To celebrate this, I thought I would have a personal season and focus on the personal for a little while. Today's episode is kind of... The first half of it is my dad talking about wartime stories. And then towards the middle of the episode, it kind of switches around and becomes a much more modern discussion of kink and sex positivity. To flag up now, my dad forgot a word as he often does and I supplied him with a word and I think on, in retrospect having listened back the word that my dad was searching for was fetish but the word that I supplied him with was kink but never mind an interesting thing about the two conversations with my dad that form the first part of the personal season is that these were conversations I was having where I already knew the answers to my questions and that has its pros and its cons in many ways I think conversations flow better when I don't know where they're going and also when I'm searching for where things are going I'm less likely to talk a lot and the talking probably flowed quite a lot in this conversation because me and my dad were in his back garden having some drinks and some cigarettes in the sunshine if it seems like I am putting words into my dad's mouth that's correct quite often because I am doing that but those words have been informed by many conversations where I have listened to his words previously but I wish as a, an interviewer I'd let my dad's words uh, come out more but that said I think you'll see within the context of the conversation it's quite a rare conversation for getting better acquainted because it's it's got a little bit of tension in uh, to tease that it wasn't necessarily as easy to get my dad to, to lay his words down in this conversation as it is normally when we're off mic. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with my father. Hello, Dad. Hello, Dave. <laughs> so 
So the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? And that's been answered on other episodes. Uh, but you're my father, and that's quite clear. And the other question that I ask everybody is, what do you do now? At the moment, you sit in your back garden. Mm. At this precise moment, yeah. But if you want to know what I do, I am officially retired. You're officially retired? Yeah, I mean, I... And you write? Well, yeah, I write and read and do various things. Watch, you know, go to the movie. Sure. <coughs> so... <laughs> I mean, so this is going to be, I don't know what number this will be of your conversations. We, it, was, it might be number four, because I might bring it forwards. But there's a number of your conversations already out, and there'll be a number probably coming after this. So you're like a strand in this show. Yeah, some of them of which I've heard. Yes, you've so heard... I, which I've heard. And well, all of them which I'm you heard because you were... Worried that I may be hearing. <laughs> yeah, well, all of them you were, you heard because you were in the conversations in the first place. But... Yeah, but my memory span nowadays is about two days or something like that, you know. Yeah, sure. Well, I, my memory span is not great for yeah. it. I only were, remember what the conversations were about when I edit them normally. I remember, like, three key words or something, you know, like... The, I remember the big moments but the nuance mm. and and it turns out sometimes the big moments are not the ones I remember but are <laughs> no, the ones I've forgotten I believe yeah. okay so we're going to talk today about a, a big moment or a, 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 okay so today we're going to talk about another way that the war affected your life so if people have heard the first GBA that we did together that was about your time in the army and your experience Mm-hmm. Uh, of the war but this is a, we're going to go f- for a more kind of personal pivotal moment in your what, life you mean the war and the aftermath of the war well the no war. I mean so you had two inspirational teachers mm-hmm. when you were at school yes I did so who were Extremely. they who were they um, I mean they're publicly known now as sort of war heroes because they were both in SOE People can look them up on Wikipedia, for sure, and find out more about them there. What were their names? Francis Kamitz and um, Harry Ray. Extraordinary that they both came to the school in 1939. No, 1940, after the war had started. They came down from Cambridge. They came to my grammar school in South London, which wasn't a sort of posh grammar school, it was just a standard grammar school. Beckenham and Penge Grammar School for Boys, it was called. And um, they came there in 1940 together. And um, they were both French speaking. I mean, Francis was Belgian by descent. He was the son of Emil Camus, who was a well known Belgian poet. And uh, Harry came there. They came from Cambridge to the school. And then when the war started, they were both conscientious objectors. But Harry rapidly decided that, you know, this was a war that had to be fought against fascism and all that. He knew it anyway. And um, I'm sure, I mean, I was a naive schoolboy then. He was a sort of 22, 23-year-old, you know, man. And um, he joined the army. And I, I was then in the sixth form, not because I was going on to anything because I'd failed my general school certificate. I've told you all this in another one, I think. Um, in those days you had to pass in every subject to get to get 
passed the exam and I sort of did, I got a distinction in English and a credit in history and failed in pretty well everything else. <laughs> then I had to get a job, so I went to Fleet Street and I went to the Headmaster's Employment Exchange and they asked me what I wanted to do and I said I wanted to write. And so they gave me a job as a cost clerk in the bowels of a printing press in Fleet Street. And my job was to make out the wage dockets of these tough and pretty militant um, printers, members of the printers' union, whose shop steward would hover over my shoulder and say, now look, son, you know, oh, this, that. So I was, A, hopelessly useless at the sort of kind of mental arithmetic you needed to do the job, and B, <laughs> totally sort of became totally the instrument of the, you know, I, I, I was, didn't know what I was doing. So after about three weeks, I was so fed up that I wrote to Harry, who was in the army, and he, um, you know, and training hard and all that, complaining bitter adolescent letters of complaint, and he introduced me to a friend of his uh, who was running a, a, contemporary, a, a contemporary lithograph printing business who made lithographs specifically for schools. And because the war was on... That, that was more or less terminated but they wanted to keep it slightly alive and they had a little office in Soho Square and I got a job which was really the job of an office boy but I was actually called company secretary although I knew nothing whatsoever about it nor had to, I mean I didn't take that role all I did was sit in the, this office amongst all this barhouse furniture and write copious adolescent diaries about the terrible nature of my life every now and then I'd have to send off a print to somebody or you know or, or make out an invoice and that was literally all I had to do so I was doing that for a year or so and I had other friends who were actually working but happened to be working in Soho but anyway I did that for a year and then I wrote once again complaining bitterly to Harry that the job you know that I wasn't sort of being fulfilled in any sort of way and once again by then he must have actually been in SOE I think training well I no I don't think he can be because I wouldn't have been able to write to him that then that by then I mean he wouldn't you know he wouldn't, he wouldn't have been have yeah. but so it must have been a bit before that but anyway he was training hard or whatever and then once again he gets these complaining letters and once again he generously says to me, well, I have a friend called Don Alexander who's just come down from Cambridge who works for Paul Rother who makes documentary films. I'll write to him and go and see him. So I met Donald in the uh, Pillars of Hercules in Soho, which was near 21 Soho Square where... Sure, yeah, and the pub. Rother hadn't actually moved to Soho Square then, but he was very nearby in Derby Street. And anyway, I got a job as a sort of office boy, general factotum. And, um, you know, the war was on and that. I, 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 Donald introduced me to Rotha, and Rotha gave me the job. Um, and then, that was in 1941, I was 17, and I got sort of the odd break from being an office boy, you know, I got sent out as an assistant and that, and finally I even got a little two-minute wartime trailer about looking after your clothes to direct sure. that was the first film I ever made well that was 1941 then 19, 1942 I was with them and then I went into the army in, in, in 1942 that's when they, right when I was 18 so that's kind of a good overview of the years so yeah. let's unpack a little um, bit of that so when Harry and uh, 
Francis came into your life? I mean, you were, what, 16, 15? 15, I think, when they, I think I was 15 or 16. And they were conscientious objectors, so I guess that was already something quite wild and different from what you I were used to. I think it was known in the school, yeah. I mean, they, they don't, uh, uh, I don't know what you see at that point, they, they may have, it may have all been pending. I mean, because they, if you were a conscientious objector, you were directed to war work. And in fact, Francis became a conscientious objector and had to leave the school and go and work in on a, uh, in a, on a sort of farm in Lincolnshire, you know, because if you were a conscientious objector, you were directed to non-military war work. Or yeah, sort. sure. Um, so that's what happened to him. And then Harry, I think, convinced, who was in the SOE by then, convinced you know, him to join. To join, yeah. So, but what... what um, to change his mind from being... Well, yeah, from being anti, anti-war right? to being... Well, and, well I mean, to uh, being a, a complete pacifist, who believed under no circumstances exactly, yeah. should you fight. You know, to actually accepting that there were... That Some circumstances war, require yeah. it. And the SOE uh, is the secret, secret service. Special Operations Executive. And they were undercover agents in France. It, well, SOE was the main o- overall organisation. They had, you know, SOE in different countries. They had agents in different countries. And they went to France because they were French speakers. Yeah, they were French speakers. Yeah. And so they were doing a very, very brave and uh, front, you know, I mean, dangerous gl- and brave, sort yeah. of, sort of glamorous compared to yeah. other frontline uh, warfare. Because I mean, yes, they're 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 in danger, but they're also kind of living a a more kind of exciting life than say if you're on the front line yes but, would, but yeah but very but still dangerous, dangerous. I mean if you did yeah, yeah, sure. caught, it was a Gestapo absolutely yeah no I um, mean big stakes uh, big uh, stakes yeah so um, and they I guess you became friends with them as well as they were your teachers would you uh, say yeah I mean it was that sort of thing I, 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 Harry was my teacher actually Francis never taught me but Harry was my teacher and he was, I, I got very friendly with him. You know, he was very supportive of my writing and that sort of thing. And his wife came to the school when he did and took over the school dinners, which were pretty abominable before that. You know, they were sort of a watery rice pudding and sort of, you know, badly cooked cabbage. And, that. and Hetty came and, and sort of turned it all around and introduced macaroni cheese into the, the school dinner menu. That's when I became an aficionado of macaroni cheese. Which fed into the next generation, because you always used to make macaroni cheese for us. Yeah, and you're now... And you now I make it. macaroni yeah. cheese, me and Jen make macaroni Jen, cheese, yeah. yeah. So I guess that's where we we'll, we have uh, have Hetty to thank for yes, the macaroni cheese influence yeah. in our lives, which I'm, I found, I've always found to be amazing. It's like... One of my desert island meals, if I had to pick one, you know, macaroni cheese. cheese for sure. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. And then they and then they joined the army, which I guess was quite inspiring for you. Mm, yeah, but these things all happened. You didn't really, you know, well, it was all sort of mixed up with all sorts of other things going on. Life, yeah. yeah, and life, and you know, lots happening in the war and different things. Um, so we were, yeah, I wasn't very conscious of all that. Um, I mean, I you know, I used to go. When I was still at school, I mean, I think it was... Yeah, it was when I was still at school. I used to go and visit Harry at home, you know, with yeah. Hetty and that sort of thing. So, well, and then, I'm, you know, and then Francis, and then I met... Then. So I... I we lived with Francis. Uh, my first marriage, we, when we were married, we lived... Francis actually gave me away. 
as my father used to. That's right. And and um, we lived with them for you know for two or three months. That's right, with your first wife. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, because I mean that's the thing. So I mean, I guess politically they they were quite you know they were a bit radical, and that was kind yeah. of probably inspiring for you. Yeah, but the, the, the most significant way that you knowing these two gentlemen influenced your life was really the per, a per, a, on the personal level. I mean, I'm working out how to get into this topic. Yeah. And, you know, you've said that you're cool, cool with talking about this topic before, but if you're not, then... You know, no, you, I didn't say I was cool about talking about it totally. Well, you said that you would negotiate it. Yeah, but I don't see how I can. Not now, not now. Well, like now, you can, I can cut out if you if we talk about. Uh, well, no, now now you've introduced names. Well, I can cut out names. Yeah, not all of them. You can't. I mean, we, we these these as I say, they're well known figures. I yes, mean, like, you can't. But this, yeah. it's not. It's so not. I, therefore, that it's that. not besmirching their good name, and they're all dead. Yeah, but and their families, families will find it interesting. My families well, they, their, their families will probably never hear it, mm. and if they do, it will be a historical no, interest. I, yeah, but no, I'm not going to do that. Well, then we can't I'm really sorry. carry on, can we? Because that's, sorry, the, that's the topic. I, well, we'd have to do it a different way. Well, you, how, how, what's the way to do it? Because you, you said to me I had to do the driving, and I, oh, I don't I'm know sorry. how to drive uh, around what you want to say. Because... I mean, I personally don't see... All right, all right. I'm quite sure it doesn't matter. But I'm not... Uh, no, sort of details and things. I did actually have... A, 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 I wouldn't call it an affair because it was simply simply um, charity and, you know, loving charity on her side. Um, but I did have my first experience of sex with the wife of one of these people. And one of these people. Yes, sure. And that would... And he, I mean, it wasn't something that anybody minded. No, well, that's how it's significant to you. So yeah, well, you, OK. Then you, we got that you, finished. You, so, you, no. well, we, so you lost your virginity mm. to uh, the wife of one of these men. Yeah. But it was a consent... Like, every, it was an open relationship, I guess. A, they wouldn't have called it well, that. They wouldn't have used was, that. Yes, yes. They, at yes. that time, because yeah, he was in the that. war yeah. and she was at home, and so they had an agreement that she could take lovers. And... Also, in terms of you, you were a seventeen-year-old. Yes, I mean I wasn't exactly a lover. I mean, shit was at night. It was it a was, very nice act of an was, older woman. Exactly, a, a fond old woman. Just to, you know. Well, and I was going overseas. I mean, not that in fact that turned out to be anything, well, but you know, in a sense, it was. Well, sexually so. speaking, I guess in 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 terms that I know of, like Dan Savage, who's like a relationship guy that I listen to talks about if you have a relationship with a younger person and you're an older person the responsibility is uh, to obey the campsite rule and the campsite rule is that you should leave the person as they were before or in a better state you know it's the responsibility of an older person when they have sex with somebody who's a virgin to make to, to do that in a way that Develops that person, yeah. Well, that's what, and exactly that seems to exactly, and that seems to have been that so experience. Yes. So therefore, I mean, it is. I think it's reasonable to speak about it. Yeah. In that way, yeah. Well, everybody okay. was consenting in it. Yeah. Everybody was mm. comfortable mm. with it. Um, it changed your life fundamentally, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Because yeah. the first experience of sex has got to be. That's got to be. Uh, 
that's going to be pivotal for anybody's life and certainly sex in that context you don't want to stop saying the word sex is the way like that's funny the the look on your face then that's funny obviously it's important yeah okay yeah well, we're going to move on from there, like, aren't we? Because like, the whole, like, <laughs> yes. I love this. Just, Dad's gone hostile. I'd like to make it clear <laughs> no, to I'd like to make it clear to all, all listeners that this is, <laughs> this conversation only happened after a number of conversations off mic uh, over the last couple of years, really. Like, I've you've been telling me about your um, relationship history for a couple of years. I never thought we'd put it down on mic, but the other day you said, yeah, let's do it. They're all dead and it doesn't matter. But that was late at night, I yeah, guess. Yeah, so it wasn't just about this. Like, you were talking about the whole... The whole thing, and that's yeah. where I'm going. Okay. So we're well, going from go there, there to the... Well, you're more comfortable with that stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Yes. Well, well, in which case, let's move on to that. So your all first right. sexual experience was in an open context, mm-hmm. and that made you embrace the idea of open relationships well actually I mean Francis talked about that and they talked about that I mean I think even before that you know I think you know the the idea was sort of I mean it wasn't a D to one but you know they were they were sort of adult good adult teachers you know and they were in a boys grammar school so they talked to the boys about sex I'm sure you know many there were many I agree with what they did for sure you know yeah they sound like good teachers. They were all of the pe- all of the adults in so this situation to me sound like responsible. I, I, but I wasn't thinking adults. of that when it happened. I mean, I wasn't thinking of that. It was just. I mean, it was offered to me. So I mean, but but, I, but I'm you were pretty sure I knew war. already that 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 was you know. But that's the other thing, though. You were a seventeen-year-old boy going off to war. This was mm. wartime. Yeah. And I mean, actually, in uh, in the conversation I had with your ex-wife. Mm-hmm. She talks about uh, mm. wartime being a time when sex, like rules about sex and that sort of thing, could could be brushed to the side, and people because because there was much more danger. There was like you know you could you can have an orgasm today or you can die tomorrow and never have had an orgasm. You know it's it's a different kind of thing for it's a young person. Yeah. Exactly for a young person in the in the in the war, it's a very differently charged uh, experience, and so she you know she had sex with you before you went away to war um her husband was in in war oh that's something i wanted to go on which you'll be more comfortable talking about before we get back to mm-hmm. the, the, the the sexual narrative but i mean whilst this whilst you were over here over in france like what, people being killed yeah but what was that what were uh, harry and uh, francis doing in france oh you mean when they went yeah well, I didn't know. I mean, but you know knew. now. It You've read the public. books. Yeah. I know now. I mean, it's all is history. But I mean, it wasn't. I and mean, it wasn't the sort of thing went in the newspapers. People didn't even know they were there. Well, of course not. They were secret I mean, agents. They were, yeah, I mean, they were totally. But you know. what? But what were they doing over there? Well, they were. I mean, Harry was. Well, first of all, they had to engage with the, with the French resistance. They were liaise. They would liaise with and support the French resistance. So they'd organise all them arms drops to the French resistance and they'd fly these arms over at night in a bomber you know in a mosquito or something and drop them or I think it was a hut in Lysander but 
I know they travelled in Lysanders. They would become involved with the local resistance and organise sabotage and that sort of thing. And Francis, who was in the south of France, ended up in the Vercors, which is a big, big sort of area in the south of France, where there was a French resistance sort of army. And he'd previously been organising cells. And then when, when they came in from the south, when there was that final south, southern invasion of France, they wanted to meet up with this... And the, this this secret army sort of actually, you know, attacked the Germans, and he was involved in all that. Wasn't he? Was he imprisoned? And then he was imprisoned, yeah, and he was got about a prison by somebody going in and saying that I thought either that he was or they were related to Churchill by a, a, a woman agent telling because the Gestapo were a bit scared by then because the war was obviously over and they were going to lose. So you know, so I presume that that may have helped him. In, in, but she, she said to them, you know, if they didn't, that he was Winston Churchill's grandson or something, that one of those yeah. kind of stories, to make them let him go. And, and she was did. a famous agent as well, wasn't she? Yeah. Uh, and, mm. and, and they had an affair, which is documented. It's documented in books that you've read, so you don't need to worry. You're not outing them. No, all right. But they had an affair over there. So, I mean, mm. like, uh, both of the teachers were over in France living their Harry lives. Harry wasn't like that. Harry was very different. No, no, sure, Harry was different, I'm sure, but they were living Clinton. their lives over there and you guys were living your lives mm. over here. I think it's one of the reasons I wanted to, to have this conversation. I think it's a brilliant story. I mean, I think it's a brilliant film, you know, like a 17-year-old boy. It, I want to, I want to. Well, finance it. Anybody listening, finance it. People listening, get a campaign going, whatever you like. I don't care, but I'd love to do this film, yeah? <laughs> um, but I don't have a way of doing it. <coughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, but it is a story. It's like... Two young teachers, conscientious objectors, they change their mind and become secret agents whilst their student um, has a coming-of-age kind of story and then they go off and then you went off to war as well and then you've got all... Th- then you've got story. three different... Yeah, but that's great, isn't it? You get, to, you get to have a contrast between secret agent story and your war story, which, if people listen back to it, was a very happy, lucky war where you didn't have any combat. So that's actually an interesting juxtaposition for a film. And then it all ends at the end of... The- the war when you came back and you met your first <coughs> wife mm-hmm. and then yeah. Sheila and and what happened then well Francis gave me away and I, and I was um, and then as I say we lived with them for about three months that's right so it all comes together at this kind of this epilogue <laughs> but so yeah we went back so you met your first wife how did that happen um, that was at a wedding of my friend my, a friend of mine's and uh, I met her. I was the best man, and I met her and her mother there. And I, you know, spoke to her, and we went out that day. And I, and I went home. Didn't you eat? Was it? No, I went home, and I hadn't got her address. So I had to go and get her address from my friend. I didn't, you know. And I just, I just went over there about a week later, and sort of appeared at the door. And that was when we really got together. We went out for a walk, and you know. Well, the, uh, and the first time you met her was at somebody else's wedding, yeah. and you ate Snickers bars or something. What did you eat? No, no, that was that day when we. Oh, when you out, went out, when you mm. went out later. Mm. What did you eat? What was the bar? Crunchy bars. I crunchy think. bars. I think they were crunchy. Bars. I like that. That's a film scene. Out on a field, out, out in the of park, chocolate bars, eating, yeah, ch- eating crunchy time. bars. That's kind of it'll, it'll have a nice dated wartime texture to it. So, and then so that that relationship began, mm-hmm. that marriage, which yeah. you were gave given away 
and then lived with people who were also significant in your in your life up to that point yeah. and that relationship was an open relationship was it she lives in mine was yeah yeah I mean it was a it was a it was in a time when people didn't even use the word open relationship wasn't it really yeah we didn't discuss I can't remember how we described it but I remember I mean she knew because when we were together Francis used to take us out, he used to like taking us out, sort of young people. So he'd take us to sort of West End bars and things like this, you know. And um, he was quite fond of Sheila. And uh, so, you know, so we must have talked quite a bit about the nature of relationships. Yeah, and the, and, and the kind of monogamy isn't necessarily yeah. natural. And she'd had a lot of boyfriends. Yeah, she, well, she talks a little bit about that in her, um, in her she GBA. She had a lot yeah. of boyfriends, and she went on having lots of boyfriends. Mm-hmm. But no, no, actually it worked. That, that's, that wasn't the reason we eventually broke up. No, the, I think the interesting thing about that marriage and that kind of relationship and, is that uh, you... It wasn't the fact that it was an open relationship that was the problem in some ways. It was the fact that you didn't uh, talk to each other as kind of individuals. You didn't really have that kind well, of... Well, there was a usual sort of thing. Well, we talked about one another. Sort of, yeah. Well, when an, there wasn't one another. That's the point. <laughs> I was... Um, I mean, she had sort of free... She danced a lot. She liked, she liked dancing. She used to go dancing with men and... Some of them, you know, she would sleep with. Not all of them. Um, well, there's a there's a, a sort of strange gender imbalance in sexuality. There's lots of bad things that women get that are much worse than what men get in terms of the way that genders interact with each other. But there is this thing that it's much easier if you're a girl and you want to find a woman and you want to have sex with somebody. It's much easier to find that um, than it is if you're a guy because a lot of women aren't looking for that kind of a hookup and women who are looking for that kind of a hookup uh, can find it with anyone they like, whatever I, they look like. I so, you know, you don't... I think if you're it, not that it, good looking, it, it I'm not saying has, anything, I think, It even has a certain excitement. I mean, I think in a funny way, it's like, you know, it's what these swingers all... That's what they get at, the kick they get out of it. In a strange way... Because we talked about it to one another. Yeah. I mean, you say we didn't. We didn't talk about the philosophy of the no. idea, but we did talk about one another's. No. Yeah, you talked about yeah, it erotically. Which, as I say, because for a long time, it meant she talked about hers yeah, to me. You guys talk, and, and so, that's you know, exciting. And she, yeah, sure. And, and you know, we would joke about them and that sort. Of no, thing. and that's great. So, but, that, but you talked about it erotically. But what you didn't yeah. do is you didn't uh, no, have didn't. rules. That, no, no. Like no, you didn't no. write like set rules and boundaries no, no. and like no, talk no, about why you were doing absolutely, it. Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. But I do think, on the other side of it, I mean, I do think that that talking about it, it actually had, it was quite sort of erotic. It was oh, quite sure, exciting, yeah, you know, yeah, it, was, it wasn't sort of... Um, no, no, sure. I mean, it, um, it would, I would imagine... Can enhance that would one's be, own, you know. Sure, Dad. Could be a fantasy, as, you know. Yes, Dad. I anybody would ima- who knows my fantasy, no. I so, would imagine that would be the case, yeah. Yes. I can, I can, I can put myself in your circumstances yeah. um, and, and imagine that... Mm. So that worked all right, yeah. But it didn't... Well, the, the relationship didn't work, ultimately. But you did have 20 years or something. Yeah. Crazy nice. thing like that. Yeah. Um, a bit more, yeah. I mean, the, the, the things that you guys kind of separated over, even though there might have been other circumstances that it was blamed on at the time, I'm not sure. But the fundamental problem, I guess, for you guys was that you didn't really know each other or, like 
fundament on a fundamental level like um and so it was hard for that like you but you were attracted to each other there was there were areas of important interest which we didn't yeah that's right you didn't have the same interest which i think is important reason that didn't become apparent until later well the mist of sex had to die down and you guys probably made it last because you had an open relationship so it was still misty quite often i should think yeah so how did the open relationship work so you didn't really get very many uh, partners no whereas but it was when I did she could sort of well because you fell you fell in love with them which is something you're not supposed to do in an open relationship necessarily well yeah anyway yeah. I mean I'm not going to get you to go into that too much Dad <laughs> I mean I know that you're you're very and it's really nice that you want to protect these people but they they no, are not, no longer no. like um, a going concern many of them will be dead yeah. and uh, nobody will hear it who's connected to them and if they do then hopefully they'll hear it anyway, as part um, of a human tapestry of life like it's mm. you know what your families do do things that you know you don't have you don't have to imagine them doing it but it's fine mm. if you if, if for the world to know about things in a nice way I mean you're not I don't think you, you know you're not telling anyone else's story you're only telling your own no. yeah. But they don't have a right to reply, so I understand why you're going to clam up on that. But, uh, but, but, I mean, I mean, what do you think that you learned from having an open relationship? Because when you got with my mother, you didn't have an open relationship as such. No. We, Although we did, she we told me that you did. It. She told we me did. that you did. We did, actually, yeah. We had it in, yeah, we, we both agree. I mean, I think a lot of people agree that one shouldn't be jealous and that sort of thing, you know, and that one shouldn't. Well, my thinking is that monogamy isn't natural, right? Mm. But that doesn't mean it isn't an option, and it doesn't mean that people who do it shouldn't be given a lot of respect. Actually, when people achieve monogamy, different kinds of relationships. You know, this is the problem with jealousy. The assumption of jealousy is always, oh, you are usurping me, my what I am. Yeah, no one. No one. No one owns anybody else. No No. one owns anybody else. We just rent each other. But the thing is, I think that. Monogamy can be like I, I can totally respect it as a as a decision, but it's not a natural. It's not the natural thing. So what Dan Savage says about monogamy is we should have loads of respect for people who actually have monogamous mm. relationships yeah. because it's hard. It's actually hard to have them, and they've achieved that. They've actually put the work in and achieved that because it's not natural, and so that's great. And that's that's their decision. But there are other ways of organising your uh, relationships, and you you've tried other ways of organizing your relationships i think that like your problem though is that you haven't been very good necessarily at separating sex and uh and love which is not to say that that's a bad thing that's just a preference thing but that was i guess it seems to me and i mean and this is my assessment based on lots of other conversations that we're not gonna we're not gonna go into (laughs) because you say what you want to say in this one but um like yeah you sort of like not like you fell in love with the other people and that's what Sheila objected to because um, because she didn't and for her the rule would have been that you don't fall in love with other people and if you do you your responsibility is to the relationship first and not to them and I can imagine people having that kind of rule and and I guess that's the thing That, that was a sort of the, my assessment 
having had lots of conversations with you about open relationships. You of, you're entitled to your own assessment. Well, yeah. what do you think of that <laughs> no, assessment? No, no, I mean, it's probably... I don't know, I haven't sort of made an assessment myself. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, that's, that's perfectly reasonable, what you said. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I don't think... Oh, God, what the hell is he talking Would you recommend open relationships to people? Oh, I don't recommend in terms of relationships is dodgy, isn't it? I wouldn't, you know, it's up to them, isn't it? So, uh, I mean, I don't think. Well, put it the other way, I certainly don't have any negative feelings sure. about anybody who has one. Yeah. I mean, I just hope it works. Like I hope that a monogamous, you know, I hope it works for them. I hope yeah. what these people are doing, you know, works for them. I don't have them. The same as if somebody's trying out a job. <laughs> you know, like they're doing a job, and you think, well, yeah. I hope that job yes. works out for them. Yeah, absolutely. I hope the, the way that they're finding through life mm. works for that person. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I agree. That's, that's a very good parallel, yeah. That's yeah. how I feel about it, for sure, actually. Um, whatever people choose to, ha- to do. And that's the thing. I mean, that's what I don't understand about, like, ob- objections to marriage or not marriage. You know, like, there's a lot of people who object to the idea of marriage full stop you know there's a lot of people who say that yeah I don't yeah. civil partnerships should be for everyone and the marriage should go or the, I've heard people I say that civil be, partnerships should all of these things should oppressive. be for anyone who wants them yeah no I agree you know, whatever you, you want to do be, you whatever know. you fucking want to do yeah. and, and equally I mean I think it's quite reasonable for particular groups of people like the churches to make their own decisions but but you know that but that's only within that we will not marry you that's not, oh, yeah. you must not get married like, they, have a, they have a right to say we will not marry you and if you're um, a public re- registrar and you object uh, on yeah. moral grounds to marrying people then you then you have then you object to your own job and you have <laughs> yes. to get out of that job and you, Absolutely. you, you shouldn't have that job Absolutely. like I don't think that you're what? you're right to like you're right you, you know you you can go and become a priest in a or whatever like, or whatever you have to be in a religion you know but you, but if you're a public registrar you have to obey the public rules <laughs> yeah. anyway that's yeah, society that's it's like kind yeah. of uh, yeah. preamble but you were doing all of this sort of sexually liberated stuff ages before everyone got sexually liberated like this was before the 60s yeah yeah I mean I was married in what 48 so you were kind of practicing free love before people had started saying free love. Well, I mean, it's been said for a long time. I mean, it, yeah, that's a very true. minority. The libertines and all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's not sort of. There's a heritage to to. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, well, the whole mon- monogamy thing is, as you say. I mean, it's very. Well, it is. Uh, well, I mean, evolutionists all say it's unnatural. Well, all of our None great of, art is know, about. It's, it's being created by consciousness, but it's, it's a it's a meme, not yeah, not not a gene. You know? Yeah, sure. But all, I mean, I was going to say all of our great art, but that's overstating the case. But so much of our great art is about people having affairs or having mm. more loves. We sort of all can understand that feeling, even if you don't do it, even if you are monogamous all the time. I think everyone can understand being unfaithful. Um, or, or not, well, but yes, it's a question of whether you want it you know, to be unfaithful or whether you want it to be faithful and honest. Mm. And 
you know, whether that's about your fantasies or your realities, like, be honest. That's my view, because honesty, I think, is, like, the only way you can In you can maintain a long-term like friendship. Yeah, yeah uh, And that's what absolutely. a relationship is. It's a friendship absolutely. with benefits. Yes. Um, I mean, which is not to say that you don't necessarily love passionately and absolutely no, 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 that but, person, but, hmm. you know, that's because they're your best, best, best friend. Yeah, which in itself will attract. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. it was ages ago, like, in terms of, like, like nowadays, there's, like, the internet means everyone knows what BDSM means. <laughs> yes. Everybody so, knows what... Most people have heard the word kink... Like, if you haven't heard the word kink, it's really easy to find stuff about it in, yeah. on Google. Like, because, I mean, that's like... Because, like, you write a lot about BDSM and stuff now. You write about that sort of scene. Yeah, I have, yeah. I mean, is that something that you are into? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> What's the man going to ask me next? <laughs> you said you wanted me to ask you questions, <laughs> not give you topics. Yes, I mean, I had some experience of it. And that was before, that's before the... Before it became a, a more accepted term. I mean, you must have had to keep it quite quiet. Well, yeah. I mean... It just wasn't known about by anybody else. It wasn't a big, it wasn't a big, it wasn't a big thing always been around in some form I mean like all sexual fans you know very, what what work all perversions but there's a new word but I can't think of it sex, well a sex a more sex positive word than fucking perversions yes, yeah, dad there is, I mean there Jesus is, Christ there is, there is, this no, is there the whole is, point there's a, there's a term but I, I mean no, it's my memory thing uh, what's, what's the term for kinks yeah, you know. Kink is the word. Various, various kinks, which, yeah, yeah. which are commonly known, you know. And it's cool, like, the thing is, like, there's a lot of people in the kink community, I hear, through Dan Savage, that believe, you know, that people who are kinky should come out. And that actually, if everybody knew, then everybody would... Like, I always think that when another well, politician... Well, do much When another politician that, gets done for, like, being kinky, I just think, well, why... Or a footballer. I mean, the ones who were doing consensual acts, like... Often kinky ones, and they they should. That's fine. Um, if all of them came out, if we removed all of these super injunctions, if all of the celebrities actually were honest <laughs> about what they got up to, well, it, everyone would stop you, being so yes. fascinated by like well, punishing each other because we mm. know that we're all kind of as long as it's consensual, as long as it's uh, yeah, and uh, hurting nobody, it then it's okay. totally across class and everything else. You know, there are no distinctions. What do you mean? Well, the, these various kinks. Uh, kinks are alive in all all sections of the community. Yeah. Well, all they come from so from millionaires down to sort of uh, you know people sleeping in the streets. Yeah. They, they're, they come share the yeah, same fantasies. Any fucking the same desire. Any, yeah, any creed. Um, yeah. Uh, any like any religion. Any like like Unfortunately, people. there are things which are outside. What is acceptable in consensual sex? I mean, if consensual sex between two sort of two adults, you know, provided that it is truly consensual, yeah, there, there are no things. But if consent, one of the part, some one of like the, the idea but of then it. there are these unfortunate few fantasies, fan, 
group fantasies, groups who are actually outside that because they, they're, the, they're the, the partner they want is not consensual. I mean, a child isn't. Sure, absolutely. Of course, even an an animal isn't. Absolutely, but anything that's consensual. consensual. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. We, we, of course, we agree on this, but we shouldn't even have to say that kinky is different from child abuse. We shouldn't even have to say that. We do have to say that, but we shouldn't have to say that because there are some people who would sort of catalogue it in the same group. Yes, I mean that's the thing. It's 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 a social issue and. Like people, but you know, gay people have had to come uh, out. You know, yeah, yeah. Like because by coming out, people have understood that they are the same as us, and it is not disgusting. Absolutely. That they are, and and kink, the kink community maybe have to take a leaf from the from the gay community's book. And certainly, anybody who's kinky should be fundamentally opposed to homophobia. Well, they are. well yeah. I mean, generally, most, that is the case. Yeah, I, I hear I, that. I, that is I would the case, think. Yeah. I would imagine. So much of it comes from your childhood, your first sort of experiences of sex or whatever, kind of imprint your kinks, mm. imprint your sort of sexuality. Absolutely. So, like, I mean, like, you know, having that first sexual experience be in that open context has probably had a massive influence on your, on your, on the rest of your choices in your relationships and the, and your ability to be faithful, if you like. May have, I don't um, know. And the same goes for, like, anybody, really. Like, I had a weird fucking, like... I mean, I talk about this in another conversation with Zoe, with my friend Zoe. Did you listen to that conversation? Yeah, I think so. About Coventry in my teenage years. Yes. It's weird for me to think that you listened to that conversation and yet I'm bringing it up (laughs) on mic with you. Um, but, But, you know, in that I talk about how I kind of have had sexual elements imprinted on me um like always like (laughs) looking at sex in a kind of way of like it being comfort like um to like whenever i feel bad or bad things are happening i get horny basically and it goes to an extreme extent that i when i'm ill i get horny and it even when I've got a fever, I get horny, and that is not normal. No, like no. that is not a normal thing. I don't think that kind of no. thing. But that's okay. No, 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 no. Like it's not an issue. It's just a, it's just a thing. Like everybody's got little kinks, even if you're very vanilla, which I generally think I probably am actually in some ways. But but but, but I think um, like everybody has kinks because kink is like a metaphorically, it's, it's describing like something that happens. That's what life is. Life is a series of getting kinks. They're not all sexual ones. No. You know, you get like a political yeah, I kink. I was going to say, there must be, you must find another word for it, generalise. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you know, and, and, and some people have had traumatic childhood experiences and those imprint them in very, very complicated ways and we should absolutely be trying to re- reduce and stop that kind of thing happening to people. But... Everybody has something happen to them on one level that imprints them and changes them. Like, that's what life is. It's about... Um, I, I read this Camus uh, line, freedom is what you do with what has been done to you. I think I read that somewhere. Facebook. Just... Maybe I posted it on Maybe, Facebook. Uh, yeah, probably you did. Yeah. But, yeah. like... 
that's the thing so like everybody like for us to be free we have to do good things with what we've got and what we've got sexually are going to be whatever we've got sexually and <laughs> you make the most of that because it's it's a nice pursuit it's a nice thing to do it's it draws you closer to other people and it helps you uh, escape this kind of shell of being one individual you know like because yeah. it, it, we're, we're drawn towards connection but we can never truly connect with somebody yeah I mean don't you think like that's the fundamental thing like you're always searching to absolutely yes you're, know you're always searching else. for absolutes yeah and you, but you can't have it you can't have them no no, that's true. No, not with like a partner, not with like a friend, not with anybody. But no. but the trying, no. trying to have that is wonderful. Mm. You know, mm. trying to have that is wonderful. I think. Yes. And you know, mm. like I get like like I, I get why, like I should have predicted. Mm in advance that you would sort of suddenly become defensive in the middle of this conversation because I, I, I do know you can do that no 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 but I, and I understand where it comes from and I should have realised that when we talked the other night about it um, you were you know in a different state of mind maybe to how, how you are now yes. or, or a similar one but having a different effect but um, like because we've had a bit to drink obviously over this you know, while we're having this conversation <laughs> yeah and we'd had a bit to drink then. Um, but, I mean, like, the reason I think it's important to sort of tell your story... I mean, there's a selfish reason, like I said to you before. Like, when I'm your age, assuming everything hasn't gone to shit, which it probably has, but anyway... When I'm your age, I'll have this recording to listen back to. Yeah, And it'll be... You. Well, it'll, <laughs> yes. for me, from a personal level... Well, it will be fascinating, you know, to hear after when yes. I when I'm 89 <laughs> and I've like had my life, and I'd have to look back at my life and think, yeah. did I make the right decisions here and there and <laughs> right. whatever? Yes, okay. But 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 from a more public level, I think this conversation, like, it's important to talk about this side of things. And when people see an 89 year old man, they don't think that's a man that might have had an open relationship or might be a bit kinky. And they don't think like, um, yeah, but that's good. They should know that. They should know that, shouldn't they? Oh my God. <laughs> it's getting better acquainted. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are, yeah. Well, that's why that, that's the whole purpose of this bloody show is to get know, better acquainted yeah. with people. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard to get better acquainted with you. We have to keep going to new levels. It's a bit like I don't Jen. Know why you keep recording these conversations with me? You know <laughs> that if you know that they're valuable, you just don't like the fact that it's you that they're documenting. But you agree mm. with the principle of what I'm saying, don't you? That it's good for people to know that there's more yeah, variety and. Yeah. People yeah. that and these areas are interesting. Well, this is the whole point of, the, of your show, isn't it? Yeah, but all, it's, it's also the point of your writing, though. You, you know, the major pres- the, the major preoccupation <laughs> of your writing is sexuality, is it not? Probably. Yes, I suppose it is. You, yeah. You've written yes. a triple volume work well, well, of erotic <laughs> science fiction. Yeah, well, that's. That was on the side. So. 
yeah. it was not. It wasn't no, even. No, I thought you were talking about the other. Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's usually an erotic. There's usually always. It's usually about men and women. Yeah. Yeah. The like, only one that isn't. Well, no, even that is really is um, Sodom and Tomorrow because that's science fiction and sort of funny, you know, comic science fiction. But thinking about it, there's still the element there, strange within well, that. But, but that's what that we're doing, aren't we? It's still a sexual. Well, everybody's working out. Like writers or, or artists are working out their own kinks through their writing, and people <laughs> in general are doing that through their conversation, through their lives, through mm. how they express themselves. Yeah. And and so, like, that's what writers do. And loads of writing is a loads of writers are obsessed with sex. I have to say that I definitely write a lot about sex. That mm-hmm. a lot of my work is about mm-hmm. sex. I don't think to the same level that yours is. There's other things that I'm very, very, very preoccupied by that are very not about sex, and there are for you as well, actually. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I know what you mean. But it's I think major. it is very major. But I think you know, I mean, certainly the form. You know, what's encapsulated in it maybe other than sex. It's usually encapsulated in sex-related form. Relationships, you know, they're complicated fucking things, and I mean. I mean, I think it is interesting from my point of view that one of the things I'm interested in about all of this is that it did happen outside of its time, like it's, it's outside well, of its context. Yes, I'm not quite sure. That, that Which means so no, it means that right it means that all times there's stuff going on throughout yeah. all of history. Yes, and and, there's, and, and there's just times when it gets sort of magnified more of a lens on held yeah. over all aspects of sex and from you know the last yeah twentieth century, no, a bit later than that, from, from, from the war on, certainly. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's everywhere in culture mm, now. Mm. I mean, it was always like I, there, but it was in much more under underground, yeah. sort of hidden tunnels. And, I mean, know, I, I like sex, but it is everywhere. Mm. Like it is everywhere, and like to a to a point. And it's not it's not my sex that's around now as well. It's not like real people's sex. It's not real world sex. It's it's no, it's, it's some kind of construction by some advertising executives of what <laughs> what what physical attractiveness is and all of this stuff. Like, it, everywhere you go, you're bombarded by it. And I like sex. I am very sexually obsessed. But, I mean, I, it's not my sex, and it's, all, it's, it's everywhere, and I don't want it, you know? No. But, uh, but I, don't, I don't think we should censor it, but I don't want it. Um, no. So it, well, I'm not really interested in it. No, and it's a different... So it's a different... Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> well, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway... But, yeah. but yeah, no. So what I'm, I Birth mean, what I'm really, singing. what I'm really saying about that is, yeah. that like, um, it's a different time now, for better or worse. Yes, it's all there's sex yeah. everywhere, but there's a lot more information about sex. Absolutely. Everybody knows Absolutely. what's going on. Yeah. Uh, swingers and people like that can find each other through the internet. People who do BDSM can get together on chat rooms and say, "Hang on, I'm not alone. I'm not the only person who does this." Oh God, yes, I mean it's totally organised now. All these kinks are in it. I mean they're sort of fetish clubs and that, aren't they? And they're in... I believe that they're, yeah, they're communities. They're little communities. Hmm. Built around a particular sexual fetish. Whereas in your Absolutely. day, in your day, uh, you were just no. finding out, like for yourself. Well, no, I don't know because I didn't. I didn't have any connection with any kind of communities or anything like that. That's I mean, what I mean. I you were on your own. Per- you were just yeah, working it yeah, out yeah, yeah, in your own bedrooms. Yeah. Well, no, yes, yeah, not just me, obviously. Um, well, but, yeah, but uh, um, 
Well, I guess that... But, I mean, there were, there were, there were sort of, always, there's always been sort of pools of, you know, people related to some particular fetish right through history, anyway. Yeah, sure. So, it's a, but it's only the expansion of it, or, or the, the, so much more of it is known and in the open now, isn't it? So people yeah. Can, and hopefully this conversation will contribute to that, things being in the open. Well... Maybe you can always tell me not to. Uh, you can always tell Maybe. me not not to broadcast yeah, it, Dad. I can always not broadcast it. No, I wouldn't do that. No. No. Well, it's up to you. Always, it's always up to my guests. I know. Yeah, and the last thing you always ask them is what. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm getting there. Well, yeah, that's the, uh, I mean, yeah, the, I normally ask people, have you got anything to plug? Have I got anything to plug? Yes. Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera, um, Al Jazeera's news <laughs> programme is the, is the only world programme, is the, uh, is the only world news channel. I mean, it's, if you haven't watched it, watch it. That's what I would say. And within it, you will find within the news. It's a long, it's a permanently running news channel. You will get see some of the most of the best documentaries which are being made today. I think. Okay, that's my plug. Uh, okay, well, I'd like to plug chocolate hobnobs because they're really nice. <laughs> um, Do you get paid for this? No, they should oh. sponsor the show. <laughs> Yeah, and say so I know this has been a kind of unconventional episode of, of, of Getting Better Acquainted, but I don't really want there to be a conventional episode of, no. of Getting Better Acquainted, so that's okay with me. Um, and with the audience, you know, I hope that you find this interesting and, you know, try and approach it non-judgmentally, you know. I know that's a lot to ask because it's hard not to judge people as a human being. I... I find it hard myself, but it's the only way forwards, I reckon, at the end of the day. So, yeah. The last thing you have to do is say goodbye to you, don't Yeah, you have to say goodbye to the audience. Goodbye, audience. If you exist. (laughs) If they exist, I'm dissing my show now. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed the first episode of The Personal Season. The second episode is coming out on Friday and that is also going to be with my dad. It was recorded on the same day but it's about very different subjects. We're moving from sex and relationships over to parenting and mortality. And next week on Wednesday is part one of a two-part conversation with my partner Jen where we're talking about our relationship and about her. So part one is on Wednesday and part two of that conversation will be on the Friday. So we're having two episodes this week and we're having two episodes next week. And then the week after, we'll have an episode that is all about me. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter, at UBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook, it's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. And on the Stitcher Smart Radio app, you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the App Store. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.